Joel Caparello. Okay, let's jump right into uh, today's episode of Leading Matters. So, uh, today I'm speaking with Ryan Estes. You can find him at ryanestes.com. He worked for a very large uh, advertising firm for a number of years, and as he puts it, opted out in about 2009 because of a trend that he was seeing at the time where organizations were not adopting as swiftly as necessary to meet the changing landscape of business. Since that time, he's been consulting. He does training, uh, some research, and speaking, actually quite a bit of speaking. In fact, that's how I was fortunate enough to invite him onto the show. I was at a conference in Boston that I spoke at in one of the smaller sessions, and he had the main stage for one of the keynotes, and it was really a compelling keynote address. He what I loved about it, and I'll talk about it in the episode, you'll uh, kind of get some of the details, but what I really enjoyed that he did is he framed out his talk so that at the end, there was a, a clear and specific call to action. Matter of fact, he calls it a take action now plan or a tan plan. So uh, I would encourage you to look up Ryan Estes online, look at his uh, some of his videos, and also um, listen to the episode. It's about 20 minutes long. I know you're going to get some value, and it's actually motivated me to to try to take these episodes and let's pull one thing out of them that we can apply. So I think today's episode, you're going to hear quite a bit about how we inject culture into the DNA of who we are, and especially, and in particular, the talent acquisition process to make sure those that are joining our team are the right cultural and value fit. So that's the takeaway action for for all of you listening today. What's the one thing that I can do with specificity that's going to change the way we interview, the way we screen? Uh, What are the questions we're going to ask that are going to allow us to align the talent coming into our organization against our mission, our values, and our culture? So write it down. Uh, It would also encourage you to implement it and make it measurable. Don't let it, however, be overwhelming for you. It doesn't need to be a complex plan. Matter of fact, Ryan's going to talk a lot about simplicity as well. So I would encourage you to keep it simple, but take action. And if you need some motivation, uh, stay tuned as we get going here for my conversation with Ryan Estes. Okay, joining me today as my guest on Leading Matters is Ryan Estes. Ryan is, and I'm not just saying this because uh, it's you know to blow smoke here because he's my guest, but I truly believe it. One of the best keynote speakers that I've seen in quite a long time. Was fortunate enough to see Ryan speak at the Bullhorn Engage conference in Boston earlier last month, and really just blown away by the approach he takes, and and not only that, the value that he delivers to the audience in an actionable way. So much so, it motivated me to try to steal a couple of minutes of his time afterwards and invite him to the program. So first things first, Ryan, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining me today. Oh, thank you, Joel, and thanks for the kind words. It was great to connect at the uh, Engage conference, and it's good to be on the on the program. Well, listen, I'm going to go ahead and jump right into it. You know, your your consulting practice, uh, you do a lot of speaking, training, and, and research. That's the value that you bring to your clients. And you, you talk about it as a way to embrace change and improve performance, right? So... You know, what I want to do, and, and again, you don't have to go into great detail, but for those that m- might not have had the pleasure of hearing you speak, just what motivated you to sort of drive improving business performance from that perspective? Well, you, you know, I think uh, part of it, part of my motivation was personal. 
Uh, I just, uh, for a little bit of quick background, I left a large organization. I was the chief strategy officer for a division of a, a Fortune 500 advertising and communications company. And um, our performance struggled in large part, I think, due to uh, resistance to change. Uh, and I, at, in January 2009, I opted out and became an entrepreneur. I started my own company, the company you mentioned that I run now. And, uh, so, you know, my, I think just personally, I had, you know, experienced some, some of those challenges and my background is, is in leadership and sales. And so I, I wanted to bring um, some of my own personal approach and then obviously looking for opportunities to unlock potential and performance inside the clients we serve and support. And it's been a great journey for me over the course of the last six years. I've worked with some wonderful companies and have partnered with a research company that supports us with great data and intelligence. So, um, you know, I, I'm leveraging both that experience and continually looking for new research and case studies to support the the learning and the impact that we offer our clients today. So let me kind of uh, expand that a little bit because, and I'm going to link it up when I go ahead and post this, but a great example that you give of really understanding what you're truly selling is in your story about the, the young woman that served you coffee at the, I think, the was it the Minneapolis airport? Right. That's yeah. right. I'm going to get and link that up, but but more importantly, the, the takeaway from that is, listen, you're, you're not in business to whatever the bits and bytes might be or whatever the transaction might be, but there's a greater purpose there. There's a greater mission, and many times what I'm finding is business leaders sometimes get so mired in the day-to-day that they lose track of what the purpose and the mission is. Can you talk about the importance and the necessity of having clear purpose and mission? Well, I think the importance of having clear purpose and mission is maximizing the contribution of your people. I mean, I, you know, I, and today I think many employees are, are starving uh, to contribute to something larger than themselves. So, you know, we see that mission, purpose, values is critical to unlocking the capability and contribution of the talent inside your organization. And I mentioned my previous experience, and I will tell you personally, I worked inside an organization, and I think, um, you know, if you asked, if you, you know, you did a random survey of people there, we would have said that our core purpose is to maximize shareholder value. And while I'm not diminishing the importance of that, I don't know that that necessarily is a driver that unlocks the deepest capability that exists inside people. So, you know, having these ideas and then consistently executing around them and, and delivering, uh, you know, a solid experience internally inside the organization, it's critical to be an effective leader and to also, you know, deliver performance. And I think as, as business becomes more complex, as the marketplace becomes more competitive, as the rate of change accelerates, these are key fundamentals to growth and success as we look out toward Vision 2020. So, you know, I, I see things like mission, values, alignment, purpose, culture. You know, these are the keys to being competitive in the world we live in today. And and I get exposed to this, you know, on a weekly basis. I walk into organizations and work with teams that aren't aligned at all and they're struggling. And I also have the opportunity and the the fortune to walk into organizations that are dominating their category and always looking to skill up and take it to another level. So having that exposure, having an opportunity to research and study that, I see the difference that it makes. That's why I'm passionate about it.
so another question I have around that is is what my experience has been when I'm helping my clients or or you know long stops in my career, is that it, it's always a great thing to aspire to. In other words, we want to have mission, we want to have purpose, but then it's not an easy thing to develop though. It's not an easy thing to to gather people around and actually roll your sleeves up and identify it. Uh, and when and it's it's hard work and it can be tedious work to define it right to actually put it on not necessarily paper but inject it into the DNA of our organization. I mean, do you have you seen that companies struggle to inject that mission truly and sincerely, you know, go through the tedium of developing it and then making it easy and accessible for the organization to understand it. I see it every day. I, I see it every day. It, look, I mean, you have to have buy-in to really deliver against this. You have to have buy-in at the very top of the organization. And then you have to have leaders that are committed to executing around it each and every day. I mean, to make it part of the fabric and the DNA. And, and I'll, I'll be, I'll be real straightforward, kind of the, the way to do it. It's, it's, it's simple. It's simple in concept, but I, I don't think it's, I think it's difficult to execute around it consistently. And it's, and it's real. It's based on who gets hired, who gets rewarded, who gets promoted. And who, who gets let go. And if you're not connecting these things to the way you manage people and performance, there is going to be a disconnect and that creates all kinds of challenges and problems. So I think, you know, that, that's, that's both the opportunity that exists and maybe the challenge that's in, embedded in doing it well. Is it measurable? In other words, is it something where once I have it defined, and those are very key tactical things that, that you, that you mentioned there, but I'm wondering is the idea of how well are we embedding mission and purpose and culture into the DNA of who we are, is that something that, that could be measured? Sure, sure it can, yeah. And I'll, and I'll, give, I'll, I'll give you a great resource on this call um, to measure it. I, I, I have a partnership I mentioned with a research organization um, based in Minneapolis where I office and, and live. Um, the company's called Modern Survey. And they, in addition to studying employee engagement uh, and tracking trends for over a decade, they actually, they're a measurement company. And they will go in and they provide a very robust platform and set of tools to measure this exactly inside an organization. So whether wherever you are on the spectrum, whether you're, you know, you're the inception of developing this or you're trying to, you know, make it, make it have a larger impact in your organization or you want a pulse check. I think measurement is a critical component of doing this right, and that's one resource. There are others, but that's one that I'm in. No, I like that. And listen, I, I said that, uh, in my opinion, you were a powerful keynote speaker, and let me just kind of share with the audience why that is. I mean, what I loved about your, your talk is that you framed it up around the four key areas you wanted people to uh, remember, and then you actually gave, I think you ended up with an action plan. In other words, take one, two, three things away and then apply it on Monday. So you talked about branding, the customer experience, leading from influence, uh, you know, being a cultural champion and then and then exactly that, you know, a, a take action now plan. So I, you know, how, the, I guess the, the, what I liked about it was it was different than other inspirational keynotes where I feel great after it, but five minutes after it's over, it's like, I remember that it was great, but I have nothing to do from it. Is the way you approach, yes, is the way you approach your keynote speaking, is that kind of an example of, of how you could do these things within your organization if we keep it simple to focus in on the, the actions we need to take? I, I do think, I think simplicity is critical, and I think too often we overcomplicate these things in business today. So I think simplicity is paramount to actually moving some of these things over the line and creating impact. But, and, 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 and so you're right. That is why I approach both our speaking and our training that way. 
my objective is to take these concepts and make them actionable. So if I do a good job for the hour, exactly, you know, what you mentioned happens. Somebody's going to go back on Monday and implement change or do something different. And I think one of the challenges both in attending a three-day conference or even inside our organizations is that we're overwhelmed today with information. And it's great to have access to more information and all the channels that we can connect and communicate, but people are getting overwhelmed. And even in attending a three-day conference, you get 179 great ideas. You sit through all the sessions, the breakouts, the workshops, the keynoters. Then you get back into your office and you have to clear out 400 emails and 16 voicemails. And so you set the 179 ideas on the shelf. You get right back into your same old routine and nothing happens. And we're, we're working that way. We're working just to keep up, to keep our head above water. So this idea of innovation and attacking problems and reengineering process, you know, that stuff gets, gets put in the background and change, meaningful change doesn't happen. So I try and keep it simple and I try and give people a plan or a process to walk out of there and immediately take action and, and execute around a couple of core ideas that are going to deliver results with a specific timeline. It was, you know, take action now, developing a TAM plan. It's three ideas you can begin to take action on starting tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. that are going to have impact in your results, key results in the next 30 days. So breaking it down and simplifying it, I think, is essential to actually taking the next step and taking action now. So, you know, I saw you the other day. I'm actually, I watched it, actually, so it wasn't you speaking just the other day, but I, I saw your discussion about the generational differences. And, you know, there's so many, um, so much written about millennials and whatnot. But I think just the other day I saw that millennials actually outnumber baby boomers in the workforce, right? So with this necessity for simplicity, obviously there's speed and there's a lot of noise with the way that uh, business is done today. I mean, I would I would imagine that given the, the transition of the generational shift here that you know, keeping things simple and actionable is even more important, especially when we consider how millennials kind of have the demand to understand their purpose even more than ever before. Right. I think, I think it's true. Um, I think, I think millennials, I don't want to categorize or stereotype the whole generation, but you know, we all seem to have a bit of ADHD today, right? We're, we're distracted. I think the average smartphone user checks their device 150 times a day. The average office worker checks email 30 times an hour. I mean, we're working in a constant state of interruption and distraction. So, you know, simplicity, bite-sized chunks of information, and I, I think that's increasingly how people connect and communicate. So I, I do think there's, there's a need to approach it that way. And look, you're, you're right uh, about, you know, millennials having a strong desire to connect and contribute to something larger than themselves, to have meaning and fulfillment in their work, to covet uh, a sense of purpose. And I, I think all of those things are great, but I think it's, you know, it's, it's creating more of an impetus for organizations to, you know, ask and answer those questions. You know, who are we in the world? How do we make a difference to our customers? What kind of impact do we aspire to have? And if it's, if it's just about making money, you know, I, I don't, I don't know that long term. You know, that's a, that's necessarily the most redeeming or worthwhile goal. And I'm not suggest, I'm, I run a for-profit business. I'm not suggesting that you know corporations shouldn't make money and provide return to their shareholders. I, I get it, but if that's that's the only thing that we aspire to, I, I think we're missing an opportunity. 
So isn't it true then, and again, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'll pose the question to you this way. You know, before we got on, I kind of told you my focus. And, and one of the things I try to help companies do is, is really see the importance of injecting these priorities into the very process by which you're bringing talent into your organization. You know, so again, that's kind of my perspective on it. But I would imagine, based on what you're saying, that, listen, to, to set out and nail the purpose and the passion and the mission appropriately, then it's going to be important for you to make sure you got the right people on your team. So do you think companies are giving that lip service today or is that is that kind of a shift to get more of that embedded into the talent acquisition process? I think great companies take it seriously and I think a lot of companies give it lip service. I mean, that's the difference. But I, I think the talent acquisition, you know, the, the selection piece, I think it, it's one of the hardest things in business to get right. And I see organizations make a lot of mistakes around it and I think it's, it's an area that costs organizations a significant amount of time opportunity and, and also money. Uh, those can be really expensive mistakes to reverse, and I think reversing them can be incredibly difficult. Um, and I, I, I remember even back years ago when I was a rookie manager, when I first became a sales manager, and I had to fill two open open positions in my territory, uh, two knee-jerk responses, made poor hires, and it cost us, you know, a year of impact results. And then I was back to square one 12 months later. Man, did I learn a valuable lesson, you know, as, an, as a rookie manager about the impact of selection. But it's, it's difficult. Um, I mean, if you don't approach that the right way, it can really have negative consequences on an organization. So, yeah, hi hiring for skills, critical. Hiring for values, culture fit, and alignment, also critical. And if you're not taking both of those things into consideration, you know, uh, you can have, can have some challenges. So in the interest of, of simplicity, right, let's assume that most organizations understand how to identify and hire for the right skill set, right? So if that's the assumption, how what, what's the one or two things I could do to inject the hiring for culture and values into my talent acquisition process? Yeah, ask, ask better interview questions that map to determining if you're interviewing somebody that's going to align to your core values. If, if a core value is teamwork, I could quickly frame three or four questions around teamwork based on somebody's previous experience and their approach to the work that's going to give me some really good insight. If this is a solo player, if this per person's going to fit into the context of the way we approach things and in, in, in our organization. I mean, in that you know, that, that's the best way to do it. So if, if you take things like, you know, culture and values seriously, you know, you're mapping them into the selection, the assessment, the interview, the onboarding, and the performance management to the entire talent life cycle. And I think that's, you know, that's a page out of the playbook of some real world-class organizations, organizations like Mayo Clinic and Netflix and Starbucks and Adobe. And the great thing is, Small business leaders, you know, those of us running small or mid-sized organizations can take these examples and leverage the same principles and tactics that are allowing those organizations to dominate their category. I just, you mentioned we, we connected at you know, the Bullhorn Engage Conference. I mean, Bullhorn's an example of a small to mid-sized organization that is, you know, having incredible success in a very competitive category that approaches their growth exactly this way. And I, I just did a feature post on my blog. I mean, people can go check it out. The article ran this week about exactly how they approach it and the, and the emphasis they place on, you know, their, their organizational culture during an incredible growth 
you know, stream to them. So, you know, that might be something or a resource that's worth linking to or, or checking out. No, I will. I actually read it and, and tweeted that one out. It was very valuable. I agree with that. Um, so, looks and let me just a couple more questions here because, okay, that was the front end of our acquisition process, right? But now our employees are part of the fold. They're part of the team. And so much is written about employee engagement. You know, I think it's almost a clickbaiting topic these days. And, you know, 90% of the articles really won't have anything new to tell me. What is it? What can I do? Again, in the interest of simplicity, now, and, and actually, let me kind of stack the deck this way. I think one of the areas, personally, where companies can better engage their employees is to enable them to represent the company over social media or where they're speaking or or demonstrating their work in some way, shape, or form. I mean, I guess two questions. One, it, would you agree that would help keep my employees more engaged? And if not, what is the one or two simple things we could do to just jack up our employee, our employee engagement by you know a couple percentage points? Yeah, so I, I agree. I mean, I think I think empowerment and autonomy are are huge things. And and I I talk about this idea. We have a trust crisis in corporate America today. I think it's around fifty percent of our employees have trust and confidence in their senior leadership, and that number actually goes down to about forty percent with organizations with ten thousand or more employees. And in the absence of trust, you can't have a healthy relationship, and you're probably not maximizing somebody's contribution, their potentials. So, you know, I, I think this idea of empowering our people to be a voice and advocates and putting people in, you know, selection, putting people in the right jobs and then giving them the freedom to contribute is is huge. Um, so I, I, I agree with what you're saying. A couple of just quick little things. I mean, it's, you know, when it comes to engagement, you know, quick wins, little things we can do. Uh, one of the leading drivers of engagement today is, is development, right? So, I mean, if you, as, a, as an individual leader or manager, somebody running an organization, you want to foster a culture of continuous learning. People recognize the world is changing so fast, and they want to work for an individual manager and an organization that's going to continue to reinvest in growing their skills and competency over time. So that's something, if you can bring that to the table, both within the framework of a team and then in the larger context of an organization, so critical. Another huge driver, confidence in the future of the organization, confidence in management and the future of the organization. How do we create trust and confidence? Communication. And it's, you know, it's frustrating to me when I step back and look at this. We have more opportunities, more channels, more resources to connect and communicate, you know, to connect people to our vision, to reinforce culture. And, and our employees are starving for more communication from senior leadership. So you know, I think, you know, communication can solve a lot of this, giving people access, more transparent, open, frequent, real-time, on-the-spot communication connects people, aligns people, and I think it's so often a missed opportunity. And there are some challenges that we're working more remotely, people are traveling, you know, work flax, but, you know, as leaders, we have to take the time, you know, to give people feedback, to connect people to the vision, to reinforce, you know, the strategic plan, to deliver in 2020. All of those things are so critical. So, you know, I, those are, I think those are a couple of you know, boxes to, you know, potentially check as, as leaders and managers, and that'll help us create better, better relationships and, and move the needle on engagement. That was fantastic. That was a great, uh, 
a great couple of takeaways right there, uh, Ryan. So listen, I'm, I'm going to actually, you know what, I'm going to end on a high note because that, I don't know how much uh, more uh, you know, concrete we can get than that. <laughs> so listen, uh, we've been talking to Ryan Estes. You can visit him at ryanestes.com. Uh, Ryan's organization embrace helps you embrace change and improve performance, and they do that through speaking, through training and research. And you could tell if you've listened to this episode just how passionate Ryan is about the topic and also how practical he is about applying some of the concepts that that he knows work for organizations so ryan once again i want to thank you for taking time out of your day and joining me on the leading matter thanks joe appreciate it